Welcome to Shine KC. I'm your host, Tina Johnson, published author, small business entrepreneur, and domestic violence survivor. Gotta love those social media memes. I ran across an eye roller just the other day. Listen to this. A man will never cheat on you if you give him love, hair, time, and attention. I would like to take a moment and just remind everyone listening or posting statements like that, that cheating, first of all, is a choice made by the cheating party. It's not a reaction. But the meme did make a point, be it ever so subtle. The meme, to me, when I first read it, it said in big, bold letters in my mind, product of subtle victim blaming. Break it down with me. So I was married to a controlling and abusive spouse who cheated on me not once, but seven or eight times in our marriage. I lost count. Regardless, he was loved well, despite his abuse towards me. He didn't die of starvation, so I'm assuming that I fed him pretty well. And I had better give him all my attention. Any survivor of domestic violence can certainly vouch for that. Then I saw the same meme crossed out and corrected in red letters. A man will never cheat on you if he has a mindset of love, care, faithfulness, and integrity. I just have to say, whoever corrected that meme on social media, good job. So what is victim blaming? Victim blaming basically describes the practice of holding victim parties responsible for their own misfortune. It represents the fault of the individual who has endured the suffering, the crimes, the hardships, the misfortune with either part or whole of the responsibility of the event. Victim blaming is a devaluing act that occurs when a victim of a crime or an accident is held responsible in part again or in whole for the crimes committed again against them. The blame can appear in forms of negative social responses from legal, medical, and mental health professionals, as well as from the media or even immediate family members and other acquaintances. Some victims of domestic violence receive more sympathy from society than others do. Often the responses towards domestic violence victims are based on the misunderstanding of others. The misunderstanding may lead them to believe that the victims deserved what happened to them. It's bad enough that myself as a survivor, all the years that I was in the abusive situation. I believed I deserved what I was getting. I was made to believe. It's about power and control. He had convinced me in his ever so wicked evil ways that what he was doing was my own fault. Well, then somebody else may come along and subtly victim blame me for the situation that I was in, and it would just pound me to the ground even further. As a result, it can be very difficult for victims to cope when they are blamed for what's 
happening to them, not because of them, but to them. How many times have you read a news story about a woman accusing someone of abuse and only scroll down to read the comments? I get sick to my stomach sometimes. Most likely nestled among the few well-meaning comments and the comments of support, you probably found shame and judgment directed at the survivor. And they come from both men and women. Comments like, this happened years ago and she's just talking about it now. Someone needs attention. Or, if it's so bad, why doesn't she leave? I would walk out the door the second a man hit me. I heard this one a thousand times in my life. She didn't even report it to the police. She's probably making it up. Why do some people jump to blame the victim? At its core, victim blaming is about self-preservation. Follow me here. Compare these reactions to how some people respond when they see, say, a photo of an overweight person. I was a personal trainer for years and years, and I helped overweight people lose weight reach their goals, whether it would be to lose weight. It's not always to lose weight. Sometimes it's to get healthier. Sometimes it's to run a 5k. It's not always to be a size four. Not everyone cares about that. But people think if I were overweight, I'd go to the gym every day and I would lose weight. They don't Think about how hard it would be. The same mindset comes into play when people read about domestic violence. A lot of people have a gut reaction to violence. It's emotionally charged. They think if somebody is being abused, they probably did something to entice this abuse. I could just be home making dinner, hear the door slam because someone made my abuser mad at work and he's now home. And the rest of the night, I had to watch my back and hover over my children and we did nothing but breathe to entice the abuse that that did or could have occurred in situations like that. You do enough self-blaming because there's so much guilt involved when you're with an abuser. You blame yourself for staying. You're embarrassed. Therefore, you don't talk about it. I think that's why a lot of women don't express themselves. They're still trying to figure it out themselves. Check out some issues in the media that I ran across while doing this study. The Washington Post reported that a photo of Chapman of the New York Yankees was featured in the team's 2017 calendar as October's player, which happens to be Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Chapman was suspended for 30 days from the MLB in 2016 after he was accused of strangling his girlfriend. Commenters quickly dismissed this story. Listen to what some of the commenters said. As long as he beats the Bostons too, that makes me sick to my stomach. And another. All the stuff about Chapman has been way overblown. Media just love having 
being an easy villain to stomp on. Another, he just signed a contract upwards of one million and he abused a woman. I really wish people would stop making such a big deal about it. Here's yet another media example. When USA Today reported that former Spice Girl Mel B had accused her estranged husband of years of domestic abuse, one woman commented, why is it that everyone saw this coming but her? Then she pops out two kids for him. Let's see what idiot she hooks up with next. On the same story, another woman commented, but where's the paper trail to back up these allegations? There wasn't any mention of police reports filed. Not once do these commenters mention the abuser, but the problems related to the victim. Stats show 52% of domestic violence are reported, but stats also show one in three women experience domestic violence. You know, the way we speak and even the way we form our sentences can have a significant lasting impact on survivors. The way we speak also reflects social attitudes that condone abuse and allow it to happen. How we talk about domestic violence speaks volumes to what we believe. How we frame the problem informs how we fix it. And in order to stop domestic violence, we need to hold the perpetrator accountable. One avenue by which we can stop domestic violence is through our language choices so that we do not even subtly blame the victim. Victim blaming is the tendency to hold someone responsible for their own victimization. Instead of the predator, blaming domestic violence survivors is unacceptable for many reasons. But first, victim blaming in society make it difficult for survivors to seek help and report the abuse they're experiencing because survivors often fear additional isolation and shame. Victim blaming reinforces what abusers already tell their victims, that it's the victim's fault that they're being abused. This allows abusers to continue perpetrating domestic violence. Victim blaming can manifest itself in many ways, some more subtle than others. Let's examine some common questions and statements that embody victim blaming attitudes and also why they're harmful. Let's look at this one. They must have done something to provoke the abuse. People who use abusive tactics make a conscious decision to behave the way they do. The abuser has the choice to separate from the survivor or talk things out. Instead, they make a conscious choice to not only stay in the relationship, but to use abuse and control to intimidate their partner. Instead of asking what the victim did to provoke the abuser, a better question is why did the abuser choose to respond with violence, manipulation, and other abusive tactics instead of leaving or talking things out? Why wouldn't they just leave the abuser? Why wouldn't that victim just get on up and leave? I would have been killed had I done that at the wrong place and the wrong time. Survivors often attempt to leave their abusers but are prevented from doing so because of economic dependence, 
lack of affordable or safe housing options, lack of support from the criminal justice system, social isolation, and fear of escalated violence. Survivors' concern for their safety are in fact founded. Research demonstrates that the most dangerous time for a victim is when they leave their abuser with a 75% increase in violence upon separation. Additionally, 75% of domestic violence-related homicides occur upon separation. So instead of asking why the victim doesn't leave, ask why does the abuser believe they have the right to control and intimidate their partner? See the shift in the mind there. I heard this one as well. He just has anger management problems. I have to say for the folks in the back, that is a lame excuse for domestic violence. Domestic violence is not caused by anger management issues. If this were true, abusers would be hitting their bosses, their coworkers, along with their partners. Instead, many abusers admit to calmly planning their abuse. My abuser strategically were planning my death and the death of my three children. He strategically mapped out everything. It didn't work or follow through, praise Lord God Almighty, but he calculated everything. So instead, remember, abuse is not rooted in anger. It's rooted in the abuser's belief that they have the right to control their partner. Let's look into one more. He only abuses her when he's drunk. He struggles with mental illness. Although substance abuse and domestic violence often co-occur, that is absolutely for sure. Their relationship is not casual in nature. Substance use disorders and domestic violence are independent problems that often occur simultaneously. Neither alcohol nor drugs create a belief system in which an abuser thinks they have the right to control and intimidate their partner. Likewise, mental illness and abuse do not have a casual relationship. Some abusers do struggle with their mental illness, but studies have shown that the rate of mental illness are no higher in abusers than in the general population. Many people with mental illness are not abusers and many abusers are not mentally ill. It's important to recognize that even the most well-meaning people can unintentionally contribute to victim-blaming attitudes. We do not want to believe that horrible things like abuse can happen to us. Like I had mentioned earlier, I believe that victim-blaming is a misguided form of self-preservation. People are often use victim blaming as a way to distance themselves from victims to say, well, I'm not like this victim because I would have done X, Y, and Z differently. So abuse would never happen to me. Unfortunately, this mindset is entirely false and is harmful to survivors of abuse. 
Abuse can happen to anyone and victim blaming is a part of the problem. You know, there are so many more everyday phrases that hurt survivors. In our culture, it's very common to hear unaccountable language. Unaccountable language is the way we form our sentences so that the focus is on the survivor rather than the abuser who is choosing to control the partner. Unaccountable language normalizes and makes light of violence. It shifts focus away from what we should be really talking about. Why does somebody believe that they have the right to abuse their partner in the first place? You can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this subject. Let's talk about a few phrases that we all use and I've used myself, but now that I've learned more and I've researched a little bit more, I realize my language needs to change as well. Here's some examples of unaccountable language. An abusive relationship. We know that the relationship is not what is abusing the survivor. Rather, it's the abuser who is choosing to exert the power and control over the partner. Focusing on the relationship shifts the attention away from the abuser and shifts the blame onto the survivor. They were abused. They are a victim. Well, I can tell you, I was a domestic violence victim for a long time. It was a while after I got out of the situation that I could call myself a survivor. I didn't even have the the frame of mind. I had so much healing to do before I could stand up and say, I am a domestic violence survivor. Well, I have no problem with it today, but it took some time. My abuse journey ended over 20 years ago. When you say something like, they were abused, they're a victim, the abuser has become completely invisible. Now we're talking only about the survivor. And in fact, their identity has become intertwined with the abuse someone chose to inflict upon them. How to use accountable language. Okay, so we want to talk about who did what to whom and the impact. Accountable language makes it clear that people who abuse their partners are responsible for their actions. We need to change the way we speak about domestic violence to show that the problem we need to fix is the abuser's actions and their belief that they have the right to control and scare their partner. Holding the abusers accountable shows that you understand it is not the survivor's fault, nor is their problem to fix. So it is not that victim or that survivor's problem to fix. It's the abuser's actions that need to change or they need to be held accountable for. It may feel like our everyday language choices do not make a difference, but every time we choose language that blames the victims or otherwise don't hold abusers accountable, we reinforce a system that allows abusers to keep on abusing without having to take responsibility for their actions. Choosing language carefully when discussing domestic violence is an important step that everyone in the community should take to create a culture that places blame where it belongs on the abuser alone. There's been a few documentaries that I um, took a little bit of interest in and watched because they were related to domestic violence in some way. One of them was the documentary regarding Chris Brown. He has become notorious for physically abusing Rihanna. In his recent online documentary, Chris Brown, Welcome to My Life, he put blame on her for his abuse. Brown claimed that they had been fighting after she saw Tex 
from another woman. She was trying to grab his phone, but I'm not giving her my phone to throw it out the window, Brown said, so I bit her arm. And yet another singing sensation, R. Kelly's defense was totally based on victim shaming. His attorneys worked to disparage his accusers and diminish their hours of graphic testimony through victim blaming defense tactics. I watched all of the documentaries and it was sickening. Kelly's attorney told jurors that Kelly's accusers were simply groupies and a big star like Kelly didn't have to recruit women. My friends, let's make one thing clear. Domestic violence is never justified. Something to remember, blaming silences victims. When victims are blamed, they are less likely to seek help in recovering from traumatic experiences, and they are less likely to report the experiences to authorities. Abuse, assaults, and other forms of violence are always the predator's fault. A victim does not bring it on themselves. Violent acts are always the choice that individuals make. Yet it is the people who are harmed by the violent acts that often receive negative responses from their loved ones, as well as from various social institutions. Domestic violence victims are often scrutinized as to who they were with, what they were wearing, or what they might have done to cause the domestic violence against them. The scrutiny should befall violence itself. We must speak out against those who choose to use violence as a means to an end. Bye-bye for now.